0: This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Dr. Lindsay Elmore is a speaker, author, entrepreneur, and a world-renowned wellness expert. She's also a board-certified pharmacotherapy specialist. You'll have to tell us what that's all about. And her book is called Essentials, 75 Answers to Common Questions about Essential Oils and Supplements and the Vegan Gluten-Free Cookbook and the Work Clean Slate Cleanse workbook, Clean Slate Cleanse. You got a lot going on there, uh, Dr. Elmore. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank
1: you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Now, you wanted to talk about my two favorite subjects, food and productivity. So I'm really excited about this because I know uh, how food affects productivity. I also Mm -hmm. know that I'm not eating as well as I should. And I also know that most people are not eating as well as they should uh, so we're going to talk about unpack all that. So before we get started, anything that you want to share with us I didn't share in the intro that you'd like to know about you?
1: Oh my goodness. I mean, I think that this year has been a year of transition for many people. So I am a newly, I have a newly relocated to Asheville, North Carolina. So all of your listeners that are North Carolinians, I need tips because I have never, I'd never even visited um, Asheville except for one very brief trip before we moved here. And so it's been, it's been a transition and we're getting used to it. So I need all the hiking tips from your audience. for
0: sure. (laughs) Hiking. I have never hiked. Can you believe that I'm I'm a daily runner. I've never hiked. I liked uh well we don't have any mountains or hills here in in Houston. So it's all flat. So
1: (laughs) you know, I mean urban hiking that counts, right? You know, walking around downtown. So but you know, if you're a runner, you might absolutely love getting out and doing doing some hiking because it just it challenges your cardiovascular system in a different way compared to running on flat land. And you know, if you have an athletic practice, your body adapts so much more easily to other athletic activities that you put in front of it, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I have one medical condition that's known as the vestibular nerve disorder. I fell on some black ice back in New York, uh, 1989. And so I cannot like run up a hill. I can't run on the beach. I can't run on grass because if I come across a divot, uh, I would fall. And so I always have to run on paved trails, which is not the best thing for my knees, but it allows me, at least I'm getting out there and running every day. A lot of people come up with every kind of excuse why they can't do something. I run, I've been running for over like, uh, 1,200, 1,300 days in a row. I forget what the number is. It's some high number. Uh, since August 29th, 2017, I've run every day. And I do that because I know that that's one of the keys to health. I'm sure you're going to be touching on that a little bit in our time together today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that so many people think that if you eat well that that's enough. But unfortunately, what we we see is it's not enough. It's a combination of not just clean food, but clean water, good sleep, good social connections, exercise, as well as stress reduction techniques that all ultimately can help to lead to health. But it is critically important to get exercise into our routines.
0: Now I'm glad you brought up water because for the longest time, my mom used to be really picky about her water. And I was like, mom, it's just water. Who cares? Well, now that I only drink 99% water throughout the, I mean, every once in a while, I have a diet Coke. Very rarely I only drink like water and I'm very picky about my water because all water is not created equal. Um, I like Fiji water, but that's like the gold standard here in Texas. We have something called the Zarka mountain spring water and I, I tell people. Drinking water is so important because your body doesn't have to break anything down when you have soda or you have coffee, your body's got to break it down. So let's talk a little bit about that.
1: Well, okay. So you think about, let's start talking about what are the health benefits of water? And then maybe let's talk about some of the common toxins that are in water and how we can pay attention to them and remove them. And then really thinking about what goes on in our body when we drink a soda versus a water. So basically, if your body is not hydrated, everything breaks down. You know, your brain can't function, your muscles can't function, your cardiovascular system can't function, your immune system cannot function. And our body gives us lots of subtle signs that we are dehydrated. Number one, we get thirsty. If you are thirsty, I'm sorry, you have already been dehydrated for probably hours, if not days. And so it's critically important that if you realize that you are... Thirsty, you need to be much more cautious and much more aware of your water consumption. Now, Americans, a lot of us are like hardcore about water. You know, we get up and we're like, I drank a gallon of water before I went to work. But, you know, that's not what it's about. The body likes to do things in moderation, you know? Um, And so think about the way that they teach to consume water in Ayurveda. Well, in Ayurveda, you know, you always have your water at room temperature because when you're drinking your water when it is cold, it requires your spleen to heat up the water so that it can be assimilated and used. So you're using energy, you're stealing energy from your body just to process the water. So we want our water to be at room temperature. In the mornings when we have hopefully had some extended hours of fasting while we sleep, drinking some warm water to help heat up the digestive fire can help you to get more benefit from your food throughout the day because you're going to be able to absorb those nutrients better because you've got that digestive fire in there. And then throughout the day, instead of sitting down and being like, okay, I just slammed eight ounces of water and I'm going to come back in an hour and I'm going to slam another eight ounces. Can you consistently throughout the day take a sip of water every five to 10 minutes, every 15 minutes? That is going to help provide the hydration more consistently over time.
0: Well, let me, let me just go back to you about something you just said. I did not know. That is better for us to drink room temperature water. So we have one of these dispensers and one side is room temperature. The other side is cold. And I did not know the health benefits of drinking room temperature water. So we're only seven minutes into the episode and I've already learned something new. So I'm going to start drinking room temperature water because I did not know. I did not think that the body has to warm that water up. So I appreciate you sharing that with us.
1: Well, it, it, you know, it has to heat the, 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 um, water up to help to digest it, but the, the warm water also helps to boost the metabolism. Um, as I mentioned, it also can be very effective at maintaining hydration because when we're drinking warmer water, we, we absorb it more easily. It gets absorbed with our foods more easily and believe it or not, warm water can actually help you to stay cool in the hot summer months more effectively than cold water because If you're outside and you are out in the heat and you drink something that is very, very, very warm, your body is forced internally from the inside out instead of from the outside in to generate a sweat. And when we generate that sweat from the inside out, it becomes very effective at that evaporative cooling. So it may seem counterintuitive, but sitting down with some very warm lemon water, even during the heat of the summer, can be helpful in helping to cool you off. So yeah, you can help digest foods more easily, boost that metabolism. Now, it's not to say that cold water doesn't have its effects. Cold water, if you are feeling very tired. Perhaps you didn't get enough sleep last night. Cold water helps to increase our adrenaline production. So it can be helpful at getting you over a hump. But if you're constantly relying on that to increase your adrenaline production, you're also ramping up your cortisol, which puts you more at risk for chronic disease just because the body is not meant to be under the stress signals of cortisol all of the time. As you mentioned, you're a runner and during a workout, cold water can help you to exercise for longer periods of time. And so it can help to internally cool the body, um, which allows you to say like, okay, I'm not tired. I'm going to keep going. So if you are doing very strenuous exercise, maybe cold water is um, is the key. But if you're simply trying to stay hydrated day in and day out, Room temperature water or slightly above room temperature is, my opinion, the way to go.
0: Hey there, it's Mark. I just wanted to hop in here real quick to invite you to check out MrProductivity.com to find out how to be coached by me for less than a dollar a day, get my top five productivity tips, and so much more. It all happens over at MrProductivity.com. Wow, that's fascinating. Okay, so I interrupt your thought. You're going to talk about the toxins, so let's talk about toxicity.
1: Oh my gosh. Okay. So there are so (laughs) many potential toxins in water and there are a lot of water filters out there with varying degrees of helpfulness when it comes to removing these toxins. And so what are the toxins that are common in water? Well, we know that most of our city water is fluorinated and fluoride on the one hand, um, definitely hardens the bones, hardens the teeth. However, if you get too much of it, you get fluoridosis, which can actually make the bones externally very hard and internally very, very brittle. And because of that, many people choose to avoid fluoride in their water. Fluoride also crosses the blood-brain barrier and it can create crystals within our brains, which is not what we want to see happen. So lots of people avoid fluoride. The problem is, is most of your conventional water filters do not remove fluoride. So you have to be aware and specifically look for a filter that removes fluoride. We also can use most standard filters to remove chlorine. So chlorine not only tastes really gross, but it also is involved in a lot of chemical reactions and it forms very harmful byproducts with other toxins that are found within our water, such as our trihalomethanes and chloroform. So when you have chlorine in the water, it's not that the chlorine itself is that harmful, but it is a very chemically reactive ion that then can get in and start doing chemical reactions that lead to the generation of harmful byproducts. I mentioned the trihalomethanes. These are endocrine disruptors. They are one of many endocrine disruptors that can be found within our water supply. We have the forever chemicals dating back to, I believe, um, one of your listeners will have to correct me if my dates are wrong, but dating back at least 50 years to the 60s when Teflon was originally created. Mm. To create Teflon... There were substances called uh, polyflora, polyfluoroalkylated substances, big word, P-F-A-S, and now we have P-F-O-S. The problem with these chemicals is you absolutely cannot break them down. They are here for eternity. And so I I see lots of scandalous articles about we found that this clothing contains PFAS or we found that this food product contains PFOS. And it's like, well, yes, because we in America, unfortunately, do not have to prove that chemicals are safe before using them in industrial production. We simply have to prove on the back end that they are dangerous to get them out of our production. So we have these chemicals that are forever within our environment. That's not to mention the medications that are also within our water supply. Upwards of 80% of our water supply contains at least one antidepressant medication and um, also anti-anxiety medications are very prevalent within our water supply. Not great. Also, thinking about more common toxins that people have known for generations to be um, potentially risky, lead is tastes disgusting, and it's also toxic to the brain, especially in young children. Mercury, toxic to every single organ system, especially the kidneys. And then we also see very high levels of some metals like chromium, like aluminum, which in small amounts are absolutely critical for the function of the body but in high amounts, maybe carcinogenic. And so you want to look for a water filter that is going to remove as many of these toxic substances as you can, or as you mentioned, looking for a bottled water option, just being aware that bottled water options do create waste within the environment. And plastics are also some of those forever chemicals that we will not get rid of for at least a millennia. So the more that we can be cognizant and cautious about our plastics consumption, the more that we protect our environment long term.
0: So a couple questions for you. So you're probably familiar with Fiji water. Apparently it's really all natural. It's really good for you. Now it's really expensive. Now, am I safe to assume that that's good water to drink? Except for the plastic bottles?
1: Well, okay, so here's the problem with a lot of bottled water is you really have to trust the source that it is coming from because much bottled water unfortunately is just tap water that's been filtered. Well, if that's the case, then you might as well just get some filtered tap water on your own. Getting um, either a built-in line filtration system, you can even, they're expensive, but you can even get reverse osmosis systems for your home setup. You can consider some of the tabletop options um, as well as a lot of people love their stainless steel filters. And so you do need to trust the company. So Fiji Water tells a great story about how they're, you know, in artisan aquifers and and all of these amazing stories. But the thing that we have to look at is not just... Are we confident that the company is putting into the bottle what they say they are? That's critically important. The other thing that we have to ensure is an environmental responsibility. And so there are companies and there are brilliant documentaries. I watched one on Netflix about the the concerns around global bottled water consumption is companies can come in, buy the water rights off of land. And because we as consumers are very bad, you know, I, We drink a half a bottle of water and sometimes the rest of it just goes down the drain. It's not not sustainable. And companies can come in and absolutely tap water reservoirs dry that have sometimes existed for millennia. And we are in the midst of a climate crisis. And when we start tapping our water reserves on top of releasing stored carbon from coal, etc., it puts us in a situation where we go, am I really being as environmentally responsible as I can by the water that I choose to drink? So, Again, I'm not saying that, you know, if if you're out there and you buy a bottle of water, you're not a bad person for goodness sakes. But we just need to have some consciousness about the quality of the water as well as the quality of the lives of people who reside on the land where we get our water And the quality of the lives of the workers who help to procure that water for us.
0: You're serious about your online business. I am too. That's why I proudly host my website on Kajabi. It's everything you need all rolled into one platform. For more information and to try Kajabi free for 14 days, go to the link in the show notes or go to markstuchowski.com forward slash Kajabi. That's Kajabi, K-A-J-A-B-I. Good, good points. And I thank you for your insights. The water we drink here at the house is delivered by Ready Fresh, not a sponsor of the show. And they bring those big five gallon recyclable water bottles. And so what they do is they take the empty ones back, they sterilize them and they refill them. So we are not throwing those away. You're right. Fiji has a problem, you know, based on what you just said, great tasting water but the problem is it's the water bottle problem and what i tried to do when i used to get at the house here i used to use, reuse the water bottles either for water or maybe i use them for screws in the dry in the uh, the garage or whatever the case may be i try to repurpose them i don't want to add to the problem we have and and i certainly do recycle them if i have to get rid of them i don't throw them in the trash i don't throw them out in the street or you know on the beach or something like that so i think we do have to be mindful of that stuff
1: Absolutely. And I think when it comes to recycling, we need to remember that recycling is an entire life cycle. So if you are recycling an aluminum can or a plastic bottle, amazing, great job. But on the back end of that, you actually need to purchase products that are produced from recycled materials. Because if you don't do that, we're not completing the life cycle to where it's like, okay, well, we recycled the plastic, and now what do we do with it? So being a consumer at every point along that reduction and that reduced consumption cycle can be very helpful.
0: Okay, so we spent about 20 minutes talking about water. It's very important. You've got me convinced to start drinking <laughs> uh, room temperature water, so thank you for that. So uh, I want to finish up the episode because I know you have a lot to talk about other than water. So let's talk about how foods impact our productivity. I got a feeling I'm going to read your mind here, Lindsay. I, I got a feeling you're going to talk about sugar, and I know sugar is one of my uh, kryptonites, uh, I try not to have sugar, but it, it it it's addictive. It's very, very addictive. They I've seen the studies of what it does to the brain. Our bodies don't need sugar, and but we put sugar in like ninety percent of their foods, which is crazy. We didn't do that back in the day. So let's talk a little bit about food and our productivity.
1: Oh my goodness. Okay, so you know in my in my Clean Slate Cleanse workbook, we go very in depth into the way that. Sugar and gluten and alcohol and all of these neuro, um, They impact our neurotransmitters, but they also impact our neurohormones. And so when we're thinking about what foods to eat and which ones are going to affect our productivity, we need to look at a few things. We need to look at how is my blood sugar affected? Because when we get those blood sugar spikes, we end up in a situation where our brain gets tricked into, am I full? Am I really full? Okay. Oh my gosh, I'm so full. And then we end up in this situation where it's like, oh, I do not feel good. But then as our blood sugars fall, we start to get tired and we go back and seek that addictive reward. So what happens when we eat sugar? So sugar, triggers a variety of addictive responses in our brain, very similar to heroin and cocaine. And I know that sounds dramatic, but... I'm I'm very serious here. When you eat sugar, it triggers the same neurotransmitter changes as if you were doing heroin or cocaine. So serotonin is increased, so we think of serotonin as like that feel good hormone, but serotonin also can lead to mood swings, both moods up and moods down and it can change our perception to where that that party just seems a little bit better because of that piece of cake or you know your your birthday is incomplete you become serotonin depleted when you go oh we didn't have the the sweets i was expecting on thanksgiving we also see dopamine increase and if you know anything about the the pathophysiology of addiction dopamine is dope. That is what you are addicted to. And so when dopamine increases, this leads to sugar dependence. Um, it also engages our opioid receptors. So opioids are the receptors that pain killing drugs engage with. And so when we eat sugar, our opioid receptors get turned on and that causes the production of enkephalins, which are feel-good peptides that also help to reduce our pain. So it's no wonder that we associate sweet foods with, well, I worked out, I can have that donut. It's so-and-so's birthday. I can have this cake. Or if we just say, you know, I deserve it. It's that positive affirmation. We associate sugar with reward, which causes that addictive cycle to continue. What is even worse, in my opinion, is the effects on insulin. Because when blood sugar level spikes, massive amounts of insulin are secreted. And this surge of insulin causes your blood sugar to fall rapidly. And then what happens is all of that sugar, the way that blood sugars fall rapidly, is if you think about a sugar molecule kind of, you know, going around um, in the body, insulin is out there. The insulin locks onto a receptor, it causes this cascade within your cell, which then causes a GLUT4 receptor to come up to the surface of your cell and be like, all right, sugar, I got you. I got you. Come on in, baby. Well, when that receptor invites that sugar in, guess what? The sugar's like, well, you're not going to burn me as energy right now. So I might as well become fat because that is the way that we store sugar in our body. When all of that sugar shifts intracellularly and starts to become fat, sugar levels plummet. And this causes additional cravings to um, restore the high that was lost. You know, Sugar can also cause problems with candida, which can mess with our brain. And this leads a lot of people to be like, I know, I will drink artificial sugars. The problem is artificial sugars have basically no better than real sugars so aspartame, sucralose saccharin. We could have a debate about naturally occurring zero calorie um, sugars which aren't really sugars but we don't have time to get into it but we could have a debate about the stevias of the world and the monk fruit sugars of the world but we do know that aspartame and sucralose and saccharin can and even more increase our risk of diabetes and weight gain and cardiovascular disease, and they dramatically shift our tongue's response to sugar, because oftentimes these these substances are a thousand times more sweet than sugars. And so that's just that's just sugar, you know about gluten. Gluten harms the small intestine, which allows our food peptides to enter into the body. Well, when food peptides get into the body, this creates an overblown immune response. It also damages um, these little tiny fingers that we have inside of our gut, which inhibits our body's ability to absorb nutrients. So the effects of gluten, you know, we think about diarrhea and we think about bloating and we think about weight gain, but... Tiredness, headaches, inability to focus can be caused by gluten. And gluten also has a direct impact on the brain. Gluten contains a neuroactive peptide called gliodorphin 7. And this is just many of, of what are called so. A moment ago, we talked about endorphins. So, we talked about those internal molecules that make us feel good. Well, there are food based molecules that make us feel good too. And because they're not inside of us, they're not endorphins, they are outside of us. So, they are X orphans. So, gliadorphin 7 is an X orphan that is neurologically active that is found in gluten. So, this X orphan gets in to our brain, and it engages the opioid receptor, that same receptor that painkillers bind. And this has been shown in studies to lead to abnormal behaviors in rodents. And we've also seen many a study showing that removing gluten from the diet can help to improve mental health. Mental health, not only of anxiety and depression, but also more difficult and more challenging to treat developmental and mental disorders such as autism and schizophrenia. And so we see dramatic turnarounds. You know, I tell people, if you can't do anything else in your diet, if you can get rid of dairy, because we haven't even touched on dairy, but dairy is going to be one of those products that contains casein, that's going to promote cancer growth, and it also is going to get into the um, gut and cause a ton of inflammation and If you have a leaky gut, a lot of people talk about leaky gut. If you have a leaky gut, you also have a leaky brain. Your your barriers throughout your entire body are not tight. So if you can do nothing else, if you can minimize or eliminate dairy, sugar, and gluten, you're going to be... On the path to health and wellness for years to come, and if you even want to go a step further, a lot of people, um, a lot of people, maintain that you should also include soy, especially low quality soy. But for me if you can get if you can minimize dairy and wheat and get clean water like we mentioned and get off of the sugar you're not only going to have a more focused brain but you're also going to have a body that can just function more optimally
0: well, listening to you, Dr. Lindsay's like like drinking from a fire hose, you gave us so much to to think about. But I want to go back to something, uh, going back to sugar. I I, I I I'm Mark Stuchowski. I'm a sugarholic. I'm working on it though. But here's the thing. Gary Tobbs wrote a book uh called The Case Against Sugar, and he has proposed, and I'd like to know your idea thoughts on this, that high consumption of sugar could be cancer causing. Now, you probably know if there's been more research done on this than I do. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, you think about insulin. So, insulin helps us to build things. We also have insulin-like growth factor. And insulin-like growth factor is exactly what it is. It goes through the body and it says, "Hey, You know, I want to, I want to build some more things. And so insulin like growth factor also gets revved up because it's a hormone that helps your body to digest sugars a lot of people th- uh, have there is i mean it's not that people think there have been studies to show that high levels of insulin-like growth factor which can be a byproduct of consuming a lot of sugar increases the risk of colorectal breast and prostate cancer the the problem is is multifold first the sugar gets into the body and because sugar is such a simple Um, energy source. Basically, every cell in your body understands, hey, sugar, I can use that as energy. Cancer cells are like, yeah, but I can do it better than you can. And so, the cancer cells kind of suck up all that sugar. And we also know that people who have type 2 diabetes, which Listeners out there, any of you that have type 2 diabetes, I promise you, promise you, with simple changes in your diet and your exercise routine and your consciousness about what you eat and how you eat it, you can reduce or eliminate your treatments for type 2 diabetes. I promise you, promise you, it just takes motivation. It just takes self-love and self-care. And so people who are using insulins to treat diabetes, uh, type 2 diabetes specifically, have an increased risk of certain cancers. So insulin-like growth factor as well as the high sugars can cause problems with cancers. And so I I won't maintain that I am as well-educated as many on this topic, but certainly when you consume a diet, that is high in sugar, you're driving your gut bacteria towards bacteria that really live off of sugar instead of perhaps our prebiotics. I think up until this year, I've been doing a lot more training in functional medicine this year, and I think I undervalued the role of prebiotics, Um, and prebiotics are the, the indigestible fibers that our probiotics, our good bacteria in our gut, eat, And if you are eating foods that are high in prebiotics, you're actually helping your body to populate good bacteria versus if you're eating a lot of sugar, you're going to have candida overgrowth, which crowds out good bacteria. You are also going to crowd. You're also, if you're eating a diet that's high in meat, you're going to crowd out good bacteria and instead skew towards your pro-inflammatory bacterias that produce dastardly devils called TMAO. The list goes on and on. And basically We all are addicted to sugar because we are evolutionarily built to survive and sugar is a survival mechanism, but take three weeks and just don't eat any sugar, like as little as you possibly can. And all of a sudden your palate will change and it will change dramatically. It does not take long to reduce the addictions to sugar and the benefits can be very, very life-changing.
0: Well, listener, I want you to understand that I am just as overwhelmed as you are. And here's a couple takeaways I got personally from my conversation with Lindsay today. Number one, drink more room temperature water. And number two, start minimizing dairy, sugar, gluten, and low quality soy. So you don't have to throw everything out in your house. Start small because I believe you take that first step. Then you take the second step. That's what I got out of it a lot here. Listen, you can listen to this episode over again. And again, and again, because there's so much here. So don't, don't go hard on yourself if you feel overwhelmed because Dr. Lindsay gave us a whole bunch to think about, but just take that one step. What is one thing you could do today as a result of listening to this conversation that you can start taking better care of yourself? So Dr. Lindsay, where can we find out more about you online?
1: Oh my goodness. You can come and check out lindsayelmore.com. That will get you to my plant-based cleanse, Clean Slate Cleanse. It will get you to my health and wellness business coaching um, as well as to my essential oil education. And please come and check out my podcast, The Lindsay Elmore Show, anywhere you listen to podcasts.
0: Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was eye-opening for your uh, to hear your insight and I really appreciate your time.
1: Thank you so much, Mark. It was great being here with you.
0: And just before we go don't forget to head on over to my website mr dot com m i s t e r mr dot com find out how I can coach you for less than a dollar a day. No joke. And also you can get my top five productivity tips and so much more. It all happens at mrproductivity.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. Until we meet again, my friend, go be productive.